Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, September 22nd, 2017. And today we are reading from the big book. We're in the chapter, Working with Others. We will be on page 102, starting with the third and last paragraph. Two paragraphs will be read. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Barbara E., the 12 Traditions, Linda R. Our text readers are Allison L., Carmela G., Lauren N. Our newcomer greeter for today is Kathy M., and the host for the second hour is Dion R. And the share ID for yesterday, Thursday, September 21st, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 10,460, 10460. And the share ID for yesterday, September 21st, 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 10,461, 10461. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is, that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Barbara E. to please read the 12 steps of OA for us, please. Thank you. Have a good Friday, everyone. This is Barbara E. in New Jersey, the 12 steps. One. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we'd harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Monica. I passed. Thank you, Barbara E. I will now ask Linda R. to read the 12 traditions for us, please. Good morning, Monica. This is Linda R., gratefully recovered in North Carolina. Thank you so much for your service. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Linda R. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. So today we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter working with others. We are on page 102. We are starting with the last paragraph on page 102, which starts, 
many of us keep liquor in our homes, two paragraphs will be read and comments will be taken on both. And I will ask Allison L. if she would read that for us, please. Thank you for your service, Monica. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Many of us keep liquor in our homes. We often need it to carry green recruits through a severe hangover. Some of us still serve it to our friends, provided they are not alcoholic. But some of us think we should not serve liquor to anyone. We never argue this question. We feel that each family, in light of their own circumstances, ought to decide for themselves. We are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Its experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone. Every new alcoholic looks for this spirit among us and is immensely relieved when he finds we are not witch burners. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. We would not even do the cause of temperate drinking any good, for not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. All right, again, this is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. And uh, what I wanted to, what brings up, what what I'm thinking of when I read these paragraphs, the first paragraph reminds me that um, while I was working the steps, while I was recovering, um, it was difficult to be absent because I hadn't had a spiritual awakening. So there were things I did not keep in my home to tempt myself. But once having that spiritual awakening, um, personality change and the promises being true and uh, neutrality around food, I'm not able to keep anything in my home. My husband, my children, they like ice cream, they like sweets, they like um, salty, crunchy chips, all that kind of stuff that I don't eat. It's all in the house. I, I make them things that I don't eat and it's fine now. Um, But yes, I didn't have them in the home before. When it comes to this uh, spirit of intolerance or hatred, I I know in my local meeting when I first started going, there were times when I would hear people that sounded like they blamed the food. Um, They would mention sometimes certain foods and say, yeah, you just, you just can't ever eat this. I remember one woman who was adamant that you can never eat beets. Um, Like if you eat beets, then you're just, um, you're going to binge. And I just remember thinking, okay, well, I, I guess I have to add beets to the list of things that I can't, I can't have. And um, now when I'm working with people and when I'm sharing the message, I, I am very um, open because I realize and I've um, experienced that what people can or cannot eat, um, it's different. It varies from person to person. I've, I've sponsored people who can eat sugar. That's not their issue. Um, they have other issues. And so I'm never judgmental or close-minded to what their, um, what other people's um, alcoholic foods and binge behaviors might be. I, they need to decide that and be honest for themselves. And um, if I were to tell them they have to eat like me, I'm going to do them harm and it may not do them any good and it may um, spoil their chances of um, recovering. So I just um, have had that experience and have seen people make progress and recover with that type of uh, attitude instead of me telling them what they can or cannot do. And amongst people who are not in program, who know that I, um, what I do or do not eat, um, I'm careful that I, I don't blame the food, that I don't sit in judgment of them as they eat cake at a wedding or um, 
indulge in alcohol or whatever it is, you know, sometimes they ask me, you know, does this bother you? Or, um, you know, I know I probably shouldn't be, be eating this or drinking this around you. And I'm always just very um, loving in my response and let them know that, you know, not everybody um, has my issues. Not everybody has um, to do what I do and that that's okay for them and that I accept them and love them and that I'm not judging them, that they're just fine. Um, that, that draws them um, more to me than if I sit in judgment or tell them, yeah, you're right, you should give that up. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Allison. And for anybody who just came on, we're on page 102, this last paragraph, two paragraphs were read. Who would like to share this morning? Katie 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 from Katie G. Lauren Lawson. Okay, everybody, this is going to be a challenge this morning. This is, I'm, I'm having to use my cell phone, and I don't have the best of ears, as you all know. So this is what I heard so far. I've got Matt M., i got Katie G., i got, I think, a Janice, and Larry K. That was it. Charles A. Barbara E. Barbara. P.S. Barbara. Laura H. Was it Laura? Yes, Laura H. Laura Tina H. S. Janice D. Tina, gotcha. Barbara E. I gotcha. Charles. Okay, who else? Did you get Janice D? Tina S. Janice D. That's who it was. Way up in the beginning. I gotcha, Janice. All right. Thanks. Tina, gotcha. All right. This is what I got. We'll go with this. I've got Matt M., Katie G., Janice B., Larry K., Charles H., Barbara E., Tina S., and Laura H. Matt, you're up, and then it'll be Katie G. Can you hear me, Monica? Yep, I can hear you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater in New Jersey. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics to wiser than saved had it not been for such stupidity. Like, I have friends of mine who are definitely compulsive over eaters. I've seen them eat just as much as I have, and I've seen them even express interest in LA. Because I've been struggling, I haven't really been talking to them about program because I have to focus on myself and take care of myself first. Because I can't be an example to anybody if I'm struggling in the food and haven't put the food down. So, I haven't really talked about LA to many people, but I was at my program the other day, and, um, it came up the fact that I lost weight and that showed a picture of what I used to look like. And this woman, she asked, she asked me about, like, during her group, she said, maybe afterwards I'll ask you about OA. And, uh, okay, so I, after the group was over, I thought she was going to come up to me. She did. She left really quickly. And uh, I left it at that because I'm not going to chase anybody. If they want any information, they can either go look for it for themselves or ask me. I'll, I'll give them any information. It doesn't matter that I'm still struggling. If they have it, if they want the information, I'll give it to them because, you know, I have had some success in this program, and I'm um, grateful that I, this program has saved my life because I could still be up to 700 pounds and still be dying a slow, painful death. And I'm just grateful I don't have to do that today, but this really is a one-day-at-a-time program. And today I'm starting the day off in a will on a really good place, and I hope to stay with it. And like I said, take it one meal at a time, one day at a time. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. Katie G., it's your turn, and then it'll be Janice B. Good morning, Miss Monica. Good morning, my friends on Vision for You, Katie G. Recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic, starting my timer in Boston. Yeah, I mean, I too, in the beginning, you know what? I didn't have the food in my house and I wasn't around it a lot because it didn't, it wasn't safe for me and I have no shame about that. Um, but yeah, I'm quick, you know, 
my father-in-law is the sweetest man in the whole wide world and doesn't like cognitively get my food addiction and so every time I see him he's like so no sugar at all and he offers me all of these sugar and and you know maybe 10 years ago I would have been like it would have been made me angry right like I would have been like come on get it no sugar I'm gonna die you know but it's his way of loving me and what I love about these paragraphs is it explains to me, you know what, sugar and for me, flour and exercise and the body scale and laxatives and diet programs, they are not my problem, right? Like I, I'm not a food addict because of those institutions and it's not their fault that I abuse them, right? It's my, my allergy of the body and my obsession to, of the mind. And who am I to tell other people that they shouldn't eat that, you know? And um, there's a woman at work, and I don't know, but she is um, definitely struggling. And she, um, when people see her eating certain foods, she asks us to call her fat and swear words. And I remember hating myself so much, but hating the food, hating the food and being uncomfortable with the food. And, you know, I remember being in... Um, in high school and being so uncomfortable in my skin and thinking, how am I going to get from breakfast to lunch, like counting the calories and <clears throat> all this discomfort around food and mealtimes. And, you know, today, thanks be to God, I don't, I don't have to be that person. And people have really funny reactions. I called this woman one time because I was, we were going out to dinner and she goes, you can't eat that. You can't eat that. You do that. I feel so sorry for you. And at first I was like, mm. and then I was like, you know what? Like my life is happy, joyous, and free today. I don't miss it. You know, I'm saying that. So, you know, like, again, it's not the food that's the problem. Like I am the problem. Lack of power is my dilemma. It's not my, it's not other people's fault. And, um, and I don't have to criticize. And I also, you know, it's funny because I'm learning my own triggers. Like my husband says, I'm a food pusher. And I am. Like sometimes I still look to see, steal some vicarious pleasure. I'm like, okay, husband, no, have that. Have some more. Have some more. Because I don't understand why he would have one bite, cover it, and put it away. And um, But you know what? I get to be joyous around that. I get to laugh at that today. And, um, and that's the comfort of being a recovered woman for today, one day at a time. And it's a privilege to be out with all you guys today. Uh, happy Friday. Thank you, Katie G. Janice B., it's your turn, and then it'll be Larry K. Thank you, Monica. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B., recovered compulsive overeater in Vermont. Grateful to be here. Grateful to be opening my mouth. Um, okay, so what struck me this morning was this um, this line, a spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics. And I can remember, you know, I coming into OA like 30 years ago and sitting in the rooms of um, of OA and feeling um, alone and isolated and ashamed because um, I had picked up uh, and um, and I I felt like like I could not share it. I could not share it because I was ashamed. I felt so much shame because 
um, abstinence was the most important thing in everybody's life. And, um, and um, I've, I was judging myself and um, I felt I felt I would be judged, and so I was unable to be honest and trusting. And um, and I eventually left. Now this is my disease. This is my disease. Um, and so uh, I I I think that this. Um, spirit of intolerance, I, you know, I, I think, you know, this is, we form beliefs about um, how, what we need to do and what, we form a belief system around um, our abstinence and what we eat and um, think we have the way. And um, it's not necessarily the way for everybody. Everybody has a different way. And so this um, uh, getting, looking on the outside for validation of what is right for you doesn't work didn't work for me. It was only being able to look on the inside for my own truth and um, and find people who were loving and supportive of um, and tolerant tolerant and not not cemented in their own belief system so much that they weren't able to to have an open mind about someone else's. And um, I don't know if I clearly expressed that, but um, with that, I passed. Thank you, Janice B. Larry Kay, it's your turn, and then it'll be Charles H. Hey, Monica, good morning. Uh, thanks for your service. Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. He says, we are, never, we are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Why is it that when I show tolerance towards other people, I can feel like I'm acquiescing to their behavior? Maybe it's my fear that somehow their behavior is going to rub off on me. I don't have to worry about that. You know, this program over time teaches us that acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. You know, tolerance and acceptance are, are definitely desirable. But, but what I've found is that as we progressively move towards a God-centered consciousness, what we really develop is more of a profound sense of true understanding for our fellow human beings. That, that, that's what it takes for me to get along with others in the world. See, when I, when I begin to drip with judgment of others, how they eat, how they dress, what they eat, when they eat, I become the judge, I become the jury, and, and really, I become my own executioner. And conversely, when I can experience a, a warm acceptance of, of each aspect of, of another person, you know, where they are, because I wasn't in a real good place. And thank goodness people showed me compassion. 
Now, they didn't acquiesce. They didn't say that, that, yeah, yes, Larry, we agree with that, and that's the way we will do it as well. No, they were not eating compulsively one day at a time, but they showed me compassion. You know, and, and you, know, um, you know, it means that there's no conditions of acceptance, no feeling of I like you only if you're this way. It means I accept you exactly where you are today. It's the opposite pull from a selective evaluation of another. You know, you're bad in these ways, good in those. It's black, it's white. See, that's what program teaches me. It's not just about the food, right or wrong, black or white, good or bad. It's really about deeper, profound compassion. That, that God job, it's been filled. I, I need to always remind myself, I need not apply. The selection committee's not taking applications, Larry. I, I don't need to apply for the God job. It's taken. And I show compassion for others today. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Charles H., it's your turn, and then it'll be Barbara E. Thank you, Monica. Um... So to repel is to drive away, to dr- a force to back them away from. I mean, I thought it said on page eighty-four, love and tolerance is our code. But here we see intolerance um, twice in this text that we we're studying this morning. And I'd like to go. Um, I'd like to drill down where it says every new alcoholic looks for this spirit among us and is immensely relieved when he finds we are not witch burners. So newcomers that we talk to are new to the line, and they talk to us, and um, in Overeaters Anonymous, you know, I've heard it at a lot of meetings that they, they give you food plans and all that. Um, that's crazy. We're, we're You know, we say we want to be helpful, and we're, we're, we're backing people away from this program by giving them things. By Like Larry said, that God's position is filled already. We're, we're trying to control other people's recovery, and we're destroying it by that spirit of intolerance. You know, um, people eat what they eat, and they're going to eat what they eat. And, you know, just just a quick analogy, uh, a person called me yesterday and was like, please, uh, please help me put the food down. I was like, I can share my experience, strength, and hope on it, but I can't help you put your food down. I can't. I didn't have no – I wish I could, but my experience shows that nobody could help me put my food down. And people that came before me and blazed this trail before me did not turn their nose up against me because I, what I was inducing, what I was ingesting. They just said, I'll keep the door open for you. I'll, I'll keep the light on for you. You know, people eat what they eat. We can't judge people. You know, and if I'm judging, that's inconsiderate. So things, every single day I'm inconsiderate because I'm character assassinating people in my mind. I'm not being truthful with myself. I'm not being honest because I did the same thing. Hey, you eating that? Really? Oh, my God, turn my nose up. But every, like my man Herb K says, every day the light gets a little more brighter, just a little bit. I'm like, wow, I did that. Oh, wow, I shouldn't be doing that. And that's why I got to keep coming, keep coming every single day. More will be revealed. Like, I don't, like, I've gone to meetings and people had pizza pies, and I turned my nose up. I will not turn my nose up today. I know what this disease is like. I do not want to repel anyone from recovering. And with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Charles H. Barbara E., it's your turn, and then it'll be Tina F. Thank you so much. This is Barbara E. from New Jersey. So much is swirling in my head today. Good stuff. Before I came into OA, uh, when I was on one of my many diets, and I was on many, I would ask my husband and son to hide the food. I didn't want to have any of the stuff I could not eat in the house. Then I said, no food, because I found I was looking for the food in the middle of the night that they'd hidden. Now, today, in 2017, 21 years later, food is all over the house. It simply doesn't call to me. But going back to the beginning, when I heard at my face-to-face, abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception, my back went up. I said, what about my family? What about the world? Why is abstinence the most important thing? I was judgmental. It's, today, I don't believe it is the most important thing in my life. Yes, I'm abstinence, but working the 12 steps, working with others is. When my first sponsor said, eat exactly what I eat, I said, wait a second, don't I get to choose my own food plan, oppositional behavior? I stayed with her for a year, and then I said, thank you so much. I appreciate what you did, and I moved on to someone who was willing to let me choose my food plan. Even when people were saying no flour or sugar, I said, well, why are you telling me what to do? My instinct when people say you can't is to do the exact opposite. If I say I choose to, or someone says, you might choose to, my hackles don't go up. I heard someone mention earlier, vicarious thrills. Yes, that's something I'm trying to get rid of. Watching people eat is a vicarious thrill for me. I'm not eating it, but I enjoy watching them eat it. I used to make sure to bring all my veggies in a Ziploc bag when I went out in case I didn't get enough. Now I just trust my higher power and say, there's always another meal coming. I used to go out with a lovely couple, my teaching partner and her husband, and her husband would say when the bread basket was passed around, Barbara can't eat that. And my teaching partner would say, no, Dick, Barbara chooses not to eat that. I trained her well. Uh, This is a wonderful program. I've changed so much since I came in 21 years ago. I know to be tolerant of what other people eat. It's not my business. It is not my business what you eat. I just have to stick the landing, as they say in the Olympics, when the gymnasts jump off the high bars. Have a wonderful Friday. Thank you, Monica, for doing this and for everyone who's spoken before and will speak now. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Tina S., you're up, and then it'll be Laura H. Good morning, Monica. Thanks for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Well, I heard some really great things this morning. So grateful to be on the line and that I, you know, can pick a seat here and uh, continue to stay one day at a time. 
what a great topic, you know, and I think I'm on the same bus as everybody else. You know, when I first got here, it was, you know, I had to do what they did. Everybody else had to do what I did. And, you know, and after a while, I had learned through working the 12 steps that, you know, I was playing God in other people's lives. And, and therefore, you know, if I was playing God, I could perhaps pay some disservice. And, you know, initially it was, you know, that's what I learned when I first got here. So I thought that's what I should do. But over the years, you know, that has certainly changed for me. And and I'm glad somebody mentioned it. Or many people have, you know, about the intolerance and, and the and being judgmental, you know, I'm learning to not be that way today because that is the way I always was. And that helps with people that eat differently than I do, you know, and I'm so grateful that OA does not endorse a food plan because that's my first response out of my mouth. Not that I always think that because I think differently a lot of times. Well, if they did this, maybe they wouldn't struggle. Well, you know, I really don't know. But what my job is today to be is a max maximum service to God and to those about me and to be of service if I'm able you know I never know if I'm the person who's supposed to carry the message to somebody else you know so I just you know take them through the steps you know God does for me and for them what I cannot do for myself or they and you know and and I try not to play God in people's lives and you know and I and everybody shared it you know everybody has different alcoholic foods. You know, we're not all allergic to the same thing. Some people can eat whatever, and I cannot. And there are some things maybe I can eat and others can't. You know, so the good news today is, you know, because it's not about the food. It's about me practicing these principles in all my affairs and having that transformation that God does for me what I cannot do for myself. And therefore, I, in turn, be, be willing to do his will one day at a time. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Great stuff. Thank you, Tina F. Laura H., you're up. Good morning. This is Laura H. in Chicago. Can I be heard? Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Recovering compulsive overeater out of Chicago. So this is powerful. This is what I got to say about this. I got nothing. I got nothing. I have this walk each day with all of you on this journey. We don't understand our disease. We just know, well, for me, I can only talk for myself, that the disease robbed me of my life. It kept me in the dark, dark tunnel of addiction, loneliness. I was always fearful and afraid. I hid in my own family. I didn't want to be seen. And here I was this huge mass of a person, meaning physically, you know, 350 pounds or whatever, and I felt all alone, and I felt a victim. And this this notion of neutrality, like pretty soon, you know, when you walk the journey and you work your steps, food, for me, became neutral. But it hasn't been like that. In the beginning, it wasn't like that. I have a roommate. Uh, that roommate has their food out and about. And um, I remember my sponsor kind of getting intense in the phone saying, Look, do you want what I have? Yes, I said. Then you obviously are in a place where you can't go home to be around those binge foods. So you have to do a different action. You know, and I didn't want to listen to her. I'm tired. I want to go home. But she was right. And so that helped me a lot. But it was doing that, what she told me to do, which I thought was ridiculous because here it's the dead of winter because it happened for me in January, February, and March in Chicago. 
and I was beside myself. And when I would come home, all of these foods were out because I have a roommate and, you know, and I was getting mad at my roommate and my sponsor was saying, what are you, what can you do? So thank God for sponsors. Thank God for the directions. Thank God for the step work. Now, three years later, 126 pounds lighter. I, the other day I was at work and literally sat down to have my abstinent meal and somebody placed a big pan of chocolate covered whatever and I simply, it's, it's just arsenic to me. It is literally poison. I, I don't need to move. A year ago, I probably would have moved. I don't have to move. I don't, that's not my food because that will kill me. That will rob me of my life and I'll be back in that dark dark tunnel and working with others I just want to say it keeps me sober every day and I love what somebody else shared I had somebody say what did you eat for lunch it doesn't matter I say you need to bring your your questions to your higher power whoever that is if that's the universe the trees outside I got nothing you need to talk to your higher power what I can tell you is my experience and uh, that's where it's at and working with others and being honest and being thoughtful and the big thing following what your HP tells you to do, because that's not always easy. Anyway, happy Friday, everyone. Have a great day. With that, I pass. Thank you, Laura H. And for those of you that came on a little bit later, we are on page 102. We are on the last paragraph, starting, many of us keep liquor in our homes. Two paragraphs were read, and we are sharing on both. Who else would like to share this morning? Amy G. I didn't. Amy, okay, I got Amy. That's all I got. Amy. Lisa Jane, Amy. Laura. Sherry KB. Sherry. Okay, I got. La, la, la. <laughs> Lisa Sherry. Call Lisa me Lisa B. I didn't hear you. Lisa B. Jackie B. Okay, Melissa Jackie C. B. Carmela G. Wait a minute. Jackie, Carmela, there was somebody in between there. Melissa okay, this B. is what Melissa. All right. Did you get Lisa B? This is what I got at the moment. I have Amy G. I have Lisa B. I have Sherry K B. I have Jackie B. I have Carmela G and Melissa C. So let's go with that. So Amy G, you're up, and then it'll be Lisa. Hey, can you put me next in the line? I've got two garbage trucks going by. You will not be able to hear me if that's okay. Sorry. Okay, I'll put you down. All right, Thank Lisa you. B, you're up. Lisa B, it's your turn. Lisa B, we can't hear you. Our one to mute. Or was that okay. Lisa? Okay, are you hearing me now? Yep. Thank you so much for your service. I sometimes get stuck with the muting and the unmuting. This is Lisa B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And, you know, this has been a learning experience for me about practicing and showing intolerance. Uh, My ego can attach itself to anything. And uh, the self-seeking motives um, can be there, and I'm not even aware of it going on. Um, So when I'm talking to newcomers, uh, it's, it's been, I've been a work in progress. I really have. Um, I know for me what's worked, but when I'm sharing with newcomers, 
um, I want to try and share it in a, in a way that's attractive. It's a program of attraction. But I also know that this is a program of spiritual progress, not perfection. And I've often shared working with others is like learning to play the violin in public. It can be, you know, just difficult. And I'm so grateful for 10 steps that I've been able to turn and go to my 10 steps, go to my higher power, go to other recovered fellows and see what I'm doing. You know, where am I being selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and fearful? And when I look at the word intolerance, the base root for me of, is going to be pushing intolerance is fear. And I have to look at what is it I'm really fearful here, you know? And um, I can be controlling. If people aren't doing it the way I'm wanting them to do it, then, then it's scary for me. Then maybe something's wrong with me. Or if they're doing it differently than I'm doing it, I'm afraid that, you know, they're going to try and take over me and make me like them. So ultimately, it's my alignment with my higher power that is going to be my saving grace and sharing that that is what's going to be their um, their saving grace. And learning about abstinence as it's truly based in the doctor's opinion was so vital for me. But not everyone is in that place where they want to hear that, they're able to hear that. I mean, I'll sometimes talk to people uh, that are sharing that they're recovered, uh, they're doing 10 steps, but they had a slip the other day and they're still working with others and still doing 10 steps. So, you know, when I that kind of throws me sometimes for a loop and I need to check myself in with my higher power. God, you know, guide me. You know, what is my part here that I can share? You know, and um, it's just a work in progress. So when I look at that word intolerance, that it's fueled by fear. And you know what? I looked up the word witch burner and it says here, an irrational hatred of everyone and everything. And that's amazing. And, you know, I actually had an irrational hatred of everything and everyone because I was so afraid and so hurt, you know. Um, but these steps have expelled that from me. My, my illness is so based in a witch-burning mentality, a hatred of everything and everyone because of that fear and hurt. But the light has come in, you know, from my higher power as a result of being entirely abstinent and working these steps as precisely as I'm able to through this big book and sharing this message. But I'm a work in progress and my higher power continues to show me every day how my ego attaches itself to the words that I'm saying and what I'm trying to present and what I'm trying to do and manage. So I just do the very best I can. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Amy G., are you up now? Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everybody. This is Sarah Good morning. My name's, my, good morning. My name's Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Maryland. Being stalked by a garbage truck. <laughs> Sorry about that. Thank you so much. Look, I'm not here to take on the sugar industry any more than uh, Bill was trying to take on the alcohol industry because the reality was an understanding and going through the process of working the 12 steps, that this was an internal condition. Food was but a symptom for me. And the real issue was me and what was going on in between my ears and in my soul, trying to fill my soul with a knife and a fork. So when I came to working these steps and realizing that was but a symptom of this idea, you know, we're all equal at the foot of this disease. I cannot stand in judgment. Me, who worshiped and literally stuck my head in the toilet 10 times a day, how can I judge? How can I be a judge here? And I learned through love and tolerance and people being loving and tolerant of me through my process of growing up in this program, literally, uh, that I could not stand in judgment. But the reality for me where I ran into my intolerance 
was in my area with the Overeaters Anonymous meetings in my area. And there was a time where I literally had to make amends because of my intolerance for what I considered weak meetings. And then I realized in the process of working the 12 steps, and here we are in this chapter working with others, is that what was I doing in Overeaters Anonymous if I was not going to get out there on the firing line that we talked about just yesterday in the trenches going out and carrying the message to the still-suffering compulsive overeater without judgment, without expected return. So my question to me is what my sponsor said to me is, what are you doing in your local community as a recovered compulsive overeater? Am I standing in judgment saying, I'm not going to hang out with those folks, their meetings are weak, or am I taking my big book and I'm, am I going to those meetings and sharing uh, experience, strength, and hope? What am I doing to serve my community? I learned that relapse is not contagious. You know, people have been talking about fear. And I truly believe that my fear was based on this idea of relapse. Oh, here we go again, another trash truck. Um, so, my, so my reality was that I had to get out there. And I realized by going to those meetings, there was no judgment. I could not judge. But I could go and I could share a message of experience, strength, and hope. And when we stand on the firing lines, we are given what? In the beginning of the chapter, nothing ensures immunity from compulsive overeating but working with other alcoholics or compulsive overeaters. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. I'm sorry about the noise. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you, Amy G. And now it's going to be Sherry KB and then Jackie B. So Sherry, it's your right, Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader. Thank you for your service, Monica. And good morning, everybody, to, on the line. Um, you know, um, here we are almost at the end of working with others. And what, it's, what I'm getting out of this is that it is assuming that I have gone through this book, I have worked the steps, and I have recovered. And I'm in a, a total different state of, of mind and being and uh, heart. Um, that, you know, I can carry this message. And, you know, before when I would get abstinent, that wasn't enough. I had to get recovered. And to be recovered, I can do these things that it's telling me that I, that are directing me to do. Um, you know, before when I was only in other programs, other 12-step food programs, um, just using them as a diet club and, you know, white-knuckling it all the way and not being recovered, I was afraid to be around the other food. I was afraid to be around people who ate it. I was, in my mind, always judging them. And if they weren't doing what I was doing, I couldn't be around them. I mean, what a difference in being recovered um, that this makes and what freedom it is, you know, um, happy, joyous, and free. Um, so I can be around other people who choose to do differently than I do, um, that's okay, and I don't need to shove something down their throat. Um, you know, like what was said before, is I need to to be of service to everyone, including you know, com the especially the suffering compulsive eye reader who, you know, um, based on attraction rather than promotion. That's what I think about um, going to a meeting, talking about the big book, uh, being being of service. Um, you know, love, patience, and tolerance is our code instead of intolerance. Um, you know, what was said also is that it's not my job. I, you know, the job's been filled. God's got a job, and I don't, it's not me. Um, and then also, when I, when I take people through the big book, you know, the first thing they start talking to me about is their food, and I tell them, I'm not your food police. 
Um, you come up with a food plan that's going to work for you. You know, pray on it. Uh, take it to your quiet time and let me know what you want to do. Um, and I don't, I don't, I used to be one of the people that was um, pretty uh, rigid. And, um, you know, that doesn't work for me. And rigid in my thinking or, you know, how things ought to be. And because of this book, it's really kept my mind open to so many other possibilities and to be of service. And and also it says in this book, I don't know if you're one of us. You only know if you're one of us. And so it's not up to me to judge whether you're one of us or not. All I can do is be of maximum service to you and to the people about me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Jackie B., you're up, and then it'll be Carmela G. Hi, I'm Jackie B. from the Bronx. Can I be heard? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for your service, and Monica. Um, you know, I like I've, I've said before, I've been in program 25 years. It's only in the last uh, 13 months uh, doing it the big book way that I have finally understood my path in uh, OA recovery. I needed to walk the walk I walked so I could be of maximum service today with those that I sponsor through the big book. Um, I understand today that, yes, in the beginning, I needed somebody to tell me what to do, how to breathe, how to, how to think. So the food plans were, were great because, you know, at that time I couldn't, I couldn't think of what to do. And when given went to a nutritionist, it was easy for me to use those little loopholes because they didn't understand me. And all these little experiences have brought me up to now. Yes, I have a food plan that belongs to another food program, but it's tailored for what I need, um, and it helps me. But I can't, now I've learned, I cannot tell another compulsive overeater how to eat. If I could, then I wouldn't be in OA. I need to be honest, once I really, really got honest, took out those foods that triggered the allergy, that started the craving, that started the obsession, that started the behaviors that I could not handle, that is when the silence began. When my ears started, I wasn't obsessing about where my next abstinent meal was. I wasn't rationalizing how I ate. I wasn't rationalizing the scale. I wasn't focused on the food. So then I had time and energy to focus on recovery, the steps, my behavior. I have awareness today that if I feel hungry between meals, what's going on, Jackie? What is bothering you? God, please give me, show me the pathway. Show me what is upsetting me. Make a phone call. Reach out. Do a 10-step. I do an 11-step every night because I don't want to carry the crap. I am honest today more than I've ever been in my life just so that I won't pick up the food the next day or the next hour. That is what recovery gives me today. And yes, I may not want my family to eat what they eat. But you know what? I just pray for them and hope they find their way. But I no longer food, I am no longer the food police nor the full pusher or the food determinator. I live my life to be of maximum service to other. That's washing the dishes, that's taking out the garbage, that's taking a newcomer's call, that's taking an old-timer's call, it's being at face-to-face meetings, it's giving a hug. 
And today, Um, recovery means, thank you, means being of service. And thank you. With that, I pass. Thank you, Jackie B. And we've only got four minutes. And I have Carmela G. and Melissa C. So you each have two minutes if you can do that. Go ahead, Carmela. Thank you so much, Monica. Thank you all. Thanks for letting me share. We shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Our problems were of our own making. We have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. Uh, When I first entered program and I was working the steps initially with my step guide, I sat down and I read the book with her, and I said, wow, everybody should live by this book. The world would be a beautiful place. And I was in my sixth decade of life, so I was no child. But having a child in my life, my, my great-nephew, when he was going through adolescence, and I saw the fear when his face was changing and, and puberty was changing his body and his emotions were changing, and I said to him, I will love you no matter what. And then I realized I am loved, and I need to give up this attitude of hostility. And the reason I had the hostility was I was defensive. I was a 315-pound woman walking around bullying everybody, and, of course, people were going to react to me. And, yes, there were prejudice out there to people who were obese. But now, today, living with honesty, integrity, love, and tolerance, those are all, and I stopped comparing and I identify, these allowed me to have the gifts, working through the steps, and to have the peace and joy every day and allows me to walk the walk so that no matter who I meet on the street, in program or out of program, I can show love and tolerance. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Carmela G. And Melissa C., it's your turn. you got two minutes. Hi. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered compulsive reader in New York and um yeah so like the thing that really jumped out at me this morning was um that that conversation that started everything for us between Bill and Ebby and if Bill thought that Ebby was going to make him feel like crap about drinking he never would have opened the door to him and and so that's our charge like we can't make people who we're supposed to be useful to to carry the message to feel uncomfortable in front of us. And if I have a spirit of intolerance where um, food is the enemy and anybody that eats outside of the way that I eat, I'm intolerant of, those people will not be open to the message. And so when I go places and people are eating, um, you know, and someone says things like, oh, I'm I'm being bad. Um, You know, I never agree. I never allow... um, that kind of idea to be, um, you know, uh, encouraged by me. 
they're not being bad. Sugar is not my enemy. Sugar is not the reason why I became a compulsive overeater. Intolerance, self-centeredness, um, thinking I know it all, that's, that's my enemy. And so the people that I'm best able to help, you know, they have every right to eat whatever it is that they want to eat. My charge is to be useful, to be of maximum service. If they're observing what I'm eating and what I'm not eating and they want to ask me more about it, they will. But sugar is not what I rally against. I'm not going to talk about the ills of the sugar industry and how it's like, you know, taking hold of society and causing obesity in children. Not my issue. Not my issue. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And with that, we've come to the end of our time here this morning. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Carmela G., can you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Yes, this is Carmela G. from New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will be surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.